this is Ross Payton for Roleplaying Public Radio, and here with me is Tarn Adams, the developer and programmer for Dwarf Fortress, the indie cult hit uh, computer game. So, Tarn, uh, why don't we start off with your elevator pitch of Dwarf Fortress. Introduce it to those who aren't familiar with it. Um, well, I, ideally I'd like to say that the Dwarf Fortress is a, uh, a fantasy world simulator, you know, kind of along the lines of, of other, other sim games you, you, you might uh, be familiar with. But uh, right now it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's more of a, a Dwarf Fortress simulator, which is why well, it's got that name. But uh, so, so, so basically you, you start a, a colony of, of, of dwarves. You start out with, with just seven of them. And uh, you dig out uh, a fortress in the ground, and uh, I mean, you kind of you, you place workshops and so on. You might be reminded of a, of a real time strategy game, but it's it's a bit different than that. And uh, they they have jobs and and overcome various standard fantasy adversity situations. And uh, there there's uh, you're you, you're always destined to lose the game. <laughs> but the, the the thing about this is that makes it nice is that you, the whole entire world is saved. I mean, I do have my eyes on this uh, being uh, sort of a larger project with with the entire uh, world always being active. So your fortress uh, will be saved uh, in the world wherever you chose to place it, and you can come back with more dwarves later to try and revitalize it or, or right. bring it back from nothing, or you can come in with a more standard kind of RPG adventure and uh, see what's going on there, read old engravings that your, your dwarves made 100 years ago, or uh, see if the dragon is still living there, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm just uh, focusing now on uh, the actual world generation, because right when you start the game, you, you, you uh, go through this sort of world generation process where it starts from scratch, places some uh, landscapes and terrain and continents and so on, and the seeds of a few civilizations here and there, and some large uh, standard fantasy monsters and so on, and just lets them um, do their thing for a thousand or so years. And then your your involvement in the game begins at that point with either your dwarf fortresses or your your adventurers, and uh, we'd like to get you involved with more and more things as it goes. But as it stands, uh, the the dwarf fortress component is the main part of the game. Right, and it even with just that component, it's it's developed quite a following. I I don't think it, I've seen any game with uh, such a following over people who aren't even necessarily playing it but following other people playing it. Um, for example, the, 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 the saga of the Fortress Boat Murdered, uh, which has become sort of a cult hit in of itself uh, on the internet. Um, I've read people describing that they don't want to play the game so much as to run it and have them tell stories. And yet at the same time, you've also been very critical of narratives in, ga- in video games today. What is the role of narrative in Dwarf Fortress and in what you think of, uh, what's your critique of video game narratives or gaming narratives as they well, are? Well, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I'm certainly approaching it a little differently than, than you, you'd often see in fantasy. Um, 
Although, uh, yeah, so, so to, to start with, with video game narratives in general, I mean, I haven't played a lot of games recently, but uh, narrative wasn't uh, sort of a fixed plot-based narrative was always kind of a, a downside, uh, mainly because you're, you're sort of investing your time in something. You, you, the, the narrative, it's, it's never quite like reading a book because you have to do parts over and over again, go back to old save points, see the same thing happen 20 times, and, you know, maybe not even have the ability to skip seeing it, you know, 19 of those times. And uh, it, it was just sort of a, a frustrating thing. But the, ma the main thing for us was uh, we, we always wanted to write. When I say we, I'll, I'll do that a lot. That's my, my brother is the other person working on this project. And uh, when, when, we, when we started writing games, our main thing was just to write games we could play. Uh, and if you're doing a game with a fixed plot, uh, it's just not that interesting to play it as, a, as, as the designer because you know everything that's going to happen. Uh, you can't really surprise yourself that way. So we always kind of uh, moved away from those things. But then again, you've got things like strategy games out there and, and, and so on that, that don't really have necessarily any plot at all aside from, you know, maybe, well, this is taking place in North Africa in World War II or something. Right. And that's, that's sort of the, uh, you have the entire narrative surrounding that if you, you know, to the extent that you know the history of the situation. Uh, but, but the, the, the types of stories that arise out of that are kind of these, would be these alternative history situations, you know, who won this fight and what happened and what went wrong and all that kind of thing. And uh, Dwarf Fortress uh, is sort of thrives partially on the same thing, uh, except you don't have the, the, the same kind of background anyway. But, uh, I mean, the, the idea was to kind of create that background uh, randomly so that you don't, you don't, it's not something that would be easy to get burnt out on uh, at least uh, when the project gets far enough along. I mean, pretty much right now we've just got sort of this, this uh, human, dwarf, goblin, elf, uh, kobold type thing that uh, that's, uh, you know, been done a million times, right? But right. the the fact that the backstory is is different every time, and and with the next release, there's going to be a, a lot of uh, additions to that uh, to the to the history of the world because I'm putting the the world generation wars in, uh, and it, it it gives you an interesting starting point, and and then the main thing though now that doesn't really matter so much right now. Uh, the main thing is just that uh, there are lots of little moving parts, lots of little parts, and computer games, one of the difference between computer games and other types of games is that you can track an awful lot of stuff, and provided you don't have a lot of bugs, it's all going to be uh, internally consistent. So you don't have to worry about uh, forgetting something or having to cover for yourself later on when you're telling a story, because it'll just keep track of it for you. So when you've got all these things going on, when you're a player... Uh, playing the game, uh, you you kind of focus on the things that that you're interested in. And there's there's an awful lot to do, and uh, you can you can see one of the favorite uh, little dwarves that you've been working with. You know something will go terribly wrong. His cattle die or something, and then he'll start going uh, going crazy uh, and, and pick someone to beat up. And then that guy will go you know go nuts and go pull a lever or something that he probably shouldn't have pulled and bathe the entire lower level of the fortress and, and, and flood it. Uh, you know, from from something that you had for your sewer system or something like that, and uh, those kind of things. I mean, assuming that you're really invested in that, then you'd have a have a story to tell, and, and the things that you'd be watching about it are the things that you're interested in. And as long as there's enough floating around uh, there for you to look at, 
then uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of way of getting a narrative out of the game. And then when you start again, assuming you aren't jaded on the whole process, then uh, you can do it again, uh, share, share what happens with, with your friends and so on. Whereas there, the, the, whole, the whole thing of having a plot or a, or a track that you need to walk down or some kind of branching path that you need to explore that's really common in computer games doesn't really come up. Um, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of people that like that kind of thing. But, right, the, uh, the sort as, of as, uh, choose-your-own-adventure method, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then it, it'll have more or less branches, and people will try and say that it has more branches than it actually does sometimes, and uh, that that sort of thing. You know, but but in the end, as the designer, the developer here, uh, you it, it's really hard to write that sort of game and then stick with it for a while. I mean, you can you can kind of become invested in your world or whatever, and a lot of people sort of like to build up a fixed world and, and add all kinds of little interesting details. But uh, like, like I said, I mean, we kind of wanted to play the game too. Um, and so, so I, I mean, I do get to mess around with, with that, uh, that a little bit when I, when I, you know, change the properties of the, of the, uh, the stock creatures that come with the game. You can, you can modify everything almost uh, as to do with the creatures anyway, but uh, uh, I still have to ship some out. When I say ship, I mean include in a little zip file that you can download from my right, website. Right. But yeah, but the uh, you know there. So the dwarves are a certain way, and elves are a certain way, and goblins are a certain way. And uh, although the the you know the the reasons that I make them different is is not so much to liven up the universe as it is to introduce new mechanics to fiddle with uh, that can be used by other people and mixed and match and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's still I mean it's still fun to work with that to to. Um, I mean, I've got my, my, my goblins right now, for example, sort of have this, uh, this labyrinth type, uh, labyrinth the movie type of, uh, of uh, pathology where they, they kidnap the babies from other races and then raise them. And uh, it, it's, it's led now in the world generation to some very strange uh, uh, scenarios where, a, uh, where a, a, a goblin would kidnap an elf and then raise the elf, but then the elf would decide to become a kidnapper themselves and go off and kidnap a kidnap another elf or kidnap some dwarves, and then that dwarf would lead uh, an army and so on uh, for the goblins and all that kind of thing. And all that just came up. I mean, I didn't have to do anything. Once I got them doing the kidnapping, everything else just happened automatically. Did that, so, was that something you anticipated, or was that... Yeah, yeah. No, that was the reason I did it. I wanted some cool <laughs> stuff to happen. Right. Uh, now, I don't anticipate everything, uh, certainly, but, but uh, I mean, you can kind of tell what's going to happen, right? I mean, the second you put in goblins are going to kidnap and raise these babies, you know what's going to happen. I mean, you, right. you can tell they're going to be leading armies and being kidnappers and so on, but it's, it's still funny to see it. Yeah. And uh, it's not something where I feel like, you know, well, I'm heading to the, you know, when I, when I fire up the game myself and look at the world generation, you know, I don't feel like I'm heading to the kingdom of Agratha for the 37th time to, you know, rescue the kidnapped prince or whatever. I mean, I'm seeing something interesting each time that's uh, different. And the way that the pieces fit together, you, you really start to kind of lose track and it just uh, gets really interesting just to look at the files and uh, or the, it records almost everything that happens, uh, certainly anything important, but even things like someone moving to a different house or something. So you can pick a character when you're looking at the legends and look at all the things that happened in their life and then go look at another one and kind of build up this narrative yourself. It's, it's difficult as, as a pure computer game project, project to get the, uh, uh, 
get the narrative produced by the game so you can just read it like a book. Uh, we're hoping to do more and more with that, but it, it's, it is a difficult, a difficult process to have it pick out what's important and, and to focus on those characters and so on and string all the events together and then do that also in, in uh, you know, standard English uh, without being repetitive. Right. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult uh, project, but uh, uh, even, even having the players just able to see the information and, and sort of reconstruct the narrative themselves, it's sort of a tool for them to tell those stories, um, to look at that stuff. And everything that you do in the game is also, uh, at least our goal is to get all of that. Uh, it does it to, to, a, to a good extent now, but we'd like to do more so. Uh, get the events that happen while you play recorded right along with the histories. That's already happening in in a in a sort of half-assed way right now. But uh, uh, and then then you can kind of weave your fortress, uh, look at the history back, you know, before you 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 were allowed to start playing, and just see this 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 picture uh, you know come into being. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned several times that. Uh, you wanted to you develop this game to make it so you could play it yourself, and you, you you mentioned you know make sure the character as long as the player isn't jaded with it as long as they're still involved with the characters. What do you do in Dwarf Fortress to try and keep players interested in the game or involved with it? Uh, are there any techniques or anything that you use to keep them involved with the the game or the narrative? Well, so so a, a new player. Uh, coming in, if they download Dwarf Fortress for the first time, they've got a lot to look at. Uh, yeah. uh, now, if if uh, if they don't like the interface, because right now, I mean, we should say pretty early off, this is essentially a text game. I mean, if you play a roguelike game, right. it's like that. It's got this this uh, ASCII text-based graphics. Um, and, you know, although we'll, we, it's got some support for, for 2D tiles and so on, but it's not like it's going to going to get an overhaul and change into 3D or anything like that. So that's that's what you've got, and that cuts off a lot of players there. But what, and, and, and also the, the, the fact that it's documented poorly and the interface is still you know, a, a very slow work in progress because I'm, I'm still working on the game itself. It's hard to focus on everything. Right. Uh, the, uh, the, the, once a player gets through all that, then they've got a lot to look at, and I'm not really worried about them, you know, burning out on it. At least no more than on any other game. I mean, when I was when I was younger, playing a lot of games, I'd burn out on that. I never lasted more than a few days on any any game. It's just, you know, you you just get tired of them. But uh, what I'm doing for people that are playing the game now is I'm just putting out new versions all the time. Uh, not all the time. I mean, it's been a couple, two or three months since I put one out because I'm working on a pretty large project right now. But in, in general, I'll always be putting out these new versions, uh, and that gives more people, uh, more things for people to play with. Even in their existing fortresses, I've been pretty good about safe compatibility. Uh, and you, you just need to put in more stuff, more stuff, more stuff, and that's more elements uh, for people to see in their stories. And it's all really generic. So, so I mean, it's 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 kind of. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. None of the worlds are really ever going to be kind of a, uh, that it randomly generates. Are never really going to be kind of a masterpiece of fantasy with all this really subtle symbolism and stuff going on. They're always going to be kind of this cheap sort of beastmaster kind of knockoff Tolkien crap, right? <laughs> but 
it's it's fine because people i mean if if you're into that kind of thing you're not going to get jaded on the game for that reason right i mean right. Uh, it's it's not like oh i'm just sick and tired of dwarfs or whatever i mean it's it's not it's not something that happens very often i mean people do get tired of that crap but they, you know they'll come back or whatever or they'll uh, go on and find something else to do uh, but in general, I think it's. I think there's. You just need to put in uh, a lot of effort in, in putting in details into the game and so on. And then there just won't be a lot for. A lot, I mean, people get tired of games. I'm surprised that. I mean, some people are have been with the game since I put it out on August eighth, and they're still there. August eighth, two thousand six. Uh, and they're still there. Uh, this I never stuck with a game like that. So it's kind of I mean I'm 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 not the first person you'd you'd want to ask about you know how to stop people from getting jaded or whatever because it's certainly beyond me to stay interested in anything that long. So it's it's cool. I mean it's uh, so for those people in that that kind of limited group uh, that that can actually get into the game, something something's going right. So. I'll just keep doing things the way I'm doing it, I guess. Well, again, uh, if you look at uh, Boat Murdered, you can see how each player decided to take on their own projects, and they sort of interpreted, like, I mean, you call it a very generic sort of reporting of uh, events in the game, but people, you know, interpreted them to be, turn this saga of these sociopathic dwarves setting the countryside on fire with, you know, lava channels and things like that, and... I think that there's a lot of uh, uh, interest in you know reinterpreting the the works for your own uh, uh, amusement, but one thing that always uh, struck me that was really interesting was uh, the emotional like states of each character. How do you model? What did you do to model the dwarves? Did you just sort of make a sort of basic kind of algorithm or AI for it, or did you look at specific psychological personality profiling or anything like that? Uh, more and more, because I mean, the the, the uh, right as it started, it was just just really basic. It's I mean, you've got a dwarf, and you can set their jobs, uh, what they do, and they'll go off and try and do those things. That's the very beginning before I released it. That's the, and I'm like, okay, I'm happy they're actually working and not walking around in circles or jumping off cliffs or anything, right? <laughs> so after that, then. Uh, as things would, I mean, you you want to if you want to create a a character, then you you don't just want them to be another unit in a in a in a uh, in a in a war game or whatever. You want to give them give them some more information, and so we gave them names and uh, gave them uh, it recorded their thoughts. Now the thoughts are when they see things they like, so we need to give them likes and dislikes. Have relationships with other characters and so on. It records all of these things: their pets and uh, the the types of animals that they would keep as a pet, uh, or the, at least the one they like the most. And uh, once you've got all that information, uh, whether or not the the the, the uh, dwarf is happy or sad or that kind of thing, we don't really have um, a lot of emotional states right now. It's just kind of sort of a, a linear spectrum uh, from, from zero to a very high number if they're really ecstatic. Uh, and, I, and I mean, we'd like to do more with that, basically, because, I mean, you, you, you have them in their thoughts. They can see another dwarf with more stuff than they have, and they can become jealous, um, especially if that dwarf is in, in a sort of lower social station, meaning that the players kind of 
allowed them to have more things or given them a bigger room when when that the other dwarf thinks they shouldn't have it or so on. And you know, you could say you're modeling jealousy at that point, but it's kind of weak. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's certainly more than than you see in a lot of other places. But it's it's still. I mean, if that just makes their happiness number go down by twenty or something, and then they start pitching a fit or whatever, it's not a specific fit though. They aren't going after that that particular dwarf and doing spiteful things to them or something. Uh, which is where you know we'd like to start pointing that stuff to get the sort of specific emotions and and having a sort of short term and long term relationships with uh, people in emotional state that 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 can flare up and then but still uh, be different in the long term and so on. There's there's lots of things that could be done, but it, it's a start. And you always just it's like every other system in the game. You kind of work on it in stages and and add things to it. Uh, but recently, I, I started looking at, at more things. For instance, for their personalities. I mean, before they before a dwarf meets other dwarves or has things happen, uh, now they've got a personality, which uh, is is one of these sort of partially implemented things. I went with uh, uh, I don't remember the names of these things really really well because I just find them on Wikipedia and then look up supporting <laughs> articles basically. So I, I mean, I think it's the the Neo Neo PR is that what it's called Neo something? Uh, it's a thirty facet personality model. Uh, they're grouped into five, uh, five. Uh, I guess the big five or something uh, uh, things. You know, your sort of your 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 neurotic traits, uh, like uh, how paranoid you are, or right. how angry you get, or how much you can't control yourself, that kind of thing, and how open you are to new experiences, and how empathetic you are, and. Um, uh, there's there's five categories there, and each one has say six. Uh, I don't remember the exact. Set up another thirty total, um, about six different little traits like how cheerful you are or um, how how artistic you are, that kind of thing. And those are the ones I'm using for now. Um, there's there's some weaknesses. I mean, you kind of you kind of run into the weaknesses of a, of a system pretty quickly when you already have the world in place. Uh, certain things, certain facets uh, don't exist that you you'd like to have, and so on. But I've got those, and uh, I've just been going back through the game and making dwarves start to change their decisions based on uh, their personalities. So now they won't throw tantrums so much if they're if they're supposed to be a calm dwarf. They'll they'll handle the situation. Uh, you know, they'll be able to take more uh, grief in their life anyway. Unless, uh, if they're really susceptible to it, then they can become depressed rather than throwing tantrums and eventually just stop eating or whatever and jump into a, a chasm or something. Or if they're if they're really unable to control their anger, then as their their happiness goes down, then they'll they'll start you know wrecking buildings and starting fistfights and throwing items and so on. Um, based on these, uh, and and a dwarf that 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 doesn't um, uh, like to keep their 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 situation organized won't clean up their room as often, and so on. There's just little things put in like that. And as long as you don't start trying to hammer things uh, into, into you know, like making all the dwarves suddenly, um, uh, I don't know what's a, what, what a good example is. I mean, something totally extreme would be like getting getting rid of pregnancy and female dwarves or something and have them jump out of the rock walls or something. I mean, people would be unhappy with that. Uh, and if you made all of the dwarves devoutly religious and you had to build altars or something, uh, the, the dwarves have beliefs now, I recently added, but they're not strident about them. They don't do anything with them. If it were only the, the more uh, feverishly devout dwarves doing those kind of things, then that's good. But, but just having altars for everybody would be kind of bad, as long as you keep everything kind of open. 
and just add more details, but but not sort of uh, pigeonhole the experience for, for anybody. Then people can continue building their stories, continue to imagine the mechanics that don't exist while making use of the mechanics that do exist. Uh, this is sort of how, how things like Boat Murdered and so on work. I mean, a lot of the things that were described in that story uh, were game mechanics and did do exactly what they say, but there are other things in the story where they kind of, about... Uh, boat murder was that the the story. I mean, there were a lot of things that came from the game uh, right. itself, a lot of mechanics and so on. But then there are a lot of things where they embellish it themselves, right? Uh, so so that you know, if if they get into a dwarf's head and start, uh, you know, doing dialogue and, and all that kind of stuff that they were doing, uh, that's all made up, right? But as long as as long as it isn't really at odds with what I've set up for them, then it'll, then it, I think it works out better. But if if I made all of the dwarves a certain way, or or did something like that to them, where where they wouldn't have that freedom of narrative, and I mean it's already true to some extent, right? Because I mean the dwarves all live in mountains. If they wanted to write a story that wasn't about that, then you know they they'd have to have their dwarves live outside, which kind of changes the game a little bit. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, I mean, it's 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 uh, so you just you just kind of uh, go with people on that. So so uh, you know, I don't I don't anticipate ever hamstringing anyone like that. But it's just something to be careful of because sometimes when you get into your sort of stock universe ideas, your your set um, properties of the creatures and so on, like I've been doing a bit, like like for instance with the with the with the goblins when I was talking about that kidnapping thing, they've always been doing that, but now it's really a, a a more ingrained part of world generation. If that wasn't someone's notion of a goblin, that's going to affect their ability not just to get into the game, but to tell stories and 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 so on. Uh, and fortunately, they can just go in and mod that out. There's just a thing in the. Uh, in the uh, the goblin definition that says that they do that kind of stuff and you can delete that line, but you don't want to force people to have to mod the game to to get into it or whatever. So uh, that's why I mean, in the end, I'd like to move away from the uh, the the stock universes more and have have randomly generated creatures and random more randomly generated uh, items and situations and so on. I mean, you can you can go so far with that before it starts to look like gray goop or whatever, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like. I mean, I'd like to start moving in that direction. It's something I've always been, always been saying. But anyway, I'm rambling at this point. So well, uh, that's fine. You, you're bringing up the, the, these randomly generated uh, creatures in game. You've said recently that uh, the people making Spore, the the video game, are, have been playing Dwarf Fortress, and it's sort of an interesting thing. Well, it was. It was uh, who said that? Uh, those the uh, Sims Three. Those guys are playing it. Yeah, as far okay, as, it was uh, the Sims Three. But still. It would yeah, yeah. surprise me if the Spore people were not at least aware of Dwarf Fortress, and certainly there's sort of this, uh, these game designers are keeping up with the uh, uh, your game, it seems like. So, what do you think the, the future of narrative or the future of storytelling in games is going to be like? Is it going to be more, do you think it's uh, leaning towards this direction of uh, randomly or procedurally uh, generated worlds and storytelling like The Sims, like your game, and uh, I think there's yeah I think I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted but I guess is that was that your question yeah yeah basically <laughs> yeah okay so yeah so so uh, I mean it, it's it's there's always going to be a place for these RPGs right and a, a big place for them uh, any kind of role playing game with a story you know Bioshock that kind of thing uh, people 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 play those games and uh, I I think 
um, random content because uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why this sort of procedurally generated stuff is springing up. A lot of them are just financial. And if in, if in Spore you can get people to pay to create your content for you, I mean, I guess that's not a bad situation, right? right. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, don't, <laughs> I can't say I'm totally for that, but if people want to pay to do it, then that's cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not like I'm not, I'm not benefiting myself from modders and so on. So, it's, I mean, it's the same kind of thing, I guess. But uh, the, uh, there's just more room for it, I guess, is, is the thing. And, and the, if people who were getting kind of jaded, like myself, I don't play games anymore, really. I mean, there's just not a lot that I like. Um, if there's, if there's more, more of a place for, for that kind of thing, uh, because... Uh, Rather, there's more of an opportunity for that kind of thing just because uh, processors have gotten better and, and so on. And, uh, you know, people who need their graphics fixed at the same time can, can still get procedurally generated content now. At least that's, the, uh, that's, that's what we're going to see with Spore, I imagine. And uh, uh, so, so I, I, it's, it's not so much that, that I, I think that, that, that uh, fixed plot narratives and so on are dying in games or something like that. I mean, that's just not the case. Uh, but there's going to be more and more interesting things coming out, I, I think, and uh, I'm just glad to be a you know small part of that. Right. Uh, any predictions of particular types of procedurally generated content that you think is going to that haven't that we haven't seen yet, but do you think it, uh, is going to happen in the next few years? A uh, few years, maybe not. I mean, I, it seems like it's going to be dry. It's been dry this year, pretty dry, right? Right. And, uh, right. Next year, I, I mean, short term. I mean, you always get into that thing where we're going to be having flying cars in five years or whatever, and it's silly. But, uh, the, 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 you know, in the future, it seems definitely, I mean, there are a lot of people, a lot of people working on procedurally generated storylines and characters, trying to get, uh, because it would be nice, right? Uh, right? Because it does increase your replay value, and, and it, it does, uh, decre- it de- decreases your, uh, your, your need to hire uh, certain you know, writers and so on. I guess, although they still have to, they still have a lot of work uh, just to get the, the those characters to say things recently and so on. But there are no people have been working on that. There are a lot of projects uh, that I that I've heard about um, with that are you know making making quite a bit of progress with you know creating actors, uh, characters, non-player characters in the uh, in the world, giving them their motivations and personalities and so on, setting a stage for them, but then. Uh, the story after that kind of writes itself. Sounds like a tabletop and RPG. You can, hmm? Sounds like a tabletop RPG almost. Kind yeah, of I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's that's, the, that's I mean, it, it's like that because uh, you you'd like to. Um, I mean, due to the, I mean, a lot of people don't get into tabletop RPGs or they can't play them anymore, or so on, and. <laughs> Uh, there, you know, there, there, there are ways to to handle that or whatever, and and one of them is just to remove the other humans from the equation and try and turn them into little computer people. But uh, that's more or less how I operate. I'm, you know, making a, a single player game. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there there are a lot of multiplayer aspects to how people play Dwarf Fortress, uh, such as continuing each other's fortresses and so on. But you know, in, at the end, it's you know, it's a, it's a single player game, and so you, you're confronted then. With uh, you know when you're writing a single player game with making a character that that you know if, if you if, if you you'd like it to be uh, something that that can kind of live on its own 
uh, if you if you don't want to go have a fixed narrative. But even with something like like an MMO or something, uh, one of those um, massive multiplayer online games, if the if the non-player characters there could react a little bit better, and sometimes you need them if you don't have a high enough player population, for example, right? Um, then uh, you know having having those characters react to what's going on around them rather than following a script, uh, you know, would be beneficial. And uh, it's also one of those things that's just fun to work on as as a as a, as a project, uh, trying to overcome those kinds of obstacles. And I know there's there's quite a few people working on that sort of thing, and and seeing something I don't know like The Sims or something get merged with a with a with a fantasy universe or a sci-fi universe or something with more of a directed plot it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, as uh, having having the the kind of uh, autonomous characters thrust into a situation where there's there's sort of more than a than a uh, than a peaceful town going on around them uh you know it's, it's something i mean you, you can expect to see that right i mean i mean you, well you're gonna see it with the stuff that i'm doing but right. uh, it's so it's uh, that, um, but i expect this, that other places as well right is this uh something in the future for dwarf fortress do you think uh you're at some point in the future add this sort of randomly generated narratives or quests or something like that like oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm already, I'm, I mean, you, if, if you have a really low bar that you could trip over, you know, hurt your ankle, I'm, I'm there already. But uh, if, if you want to do things that are more interesting, you've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm heading there. It's just gonna, it's gonna take a while. But uh, I mean, for instance, I mean, they'll, they'll, you, you know, you have right now the randomly placed human towns everywhere, and if you're an adventurer and you go there. The you know they'll ask you to deal with local situations, and these are all you know the local situations, things that they're threatened by, uh, local you know uh, minotaur or something wants to, is causing you know trouble. They're not actually causing trouble now; they're just there. But the, you know you, you've got to expect that kind of uh, right. penchant to kill monsters that haven't done anything to you at all from a human, right? But uh, it's it's. Uh, it's uh, that sort of thing can be expanded upon now with the with the historical stuff that I've got. They can look back. Uh, do they have any history with these things? Are they currently fighting a group next to them? Uh, they might ask you to go raid a nearby town. That's coming up in the release after this one. Uh, and uh, you know, as they develop more of this personal history and so on, uh, they'll have more interesting things for you to do. Um, I mean, you, at some point, you know, or is it, is it the same as one of those sort of which way games where they've got four different ways to go and you're just kind of throwing a little bit of randomness into the mix, which kind of decreases the value in a sense because you're doing the same things, but it's not with a character that's been built over time that you're interested in. Uh, it's kind of how it feels now, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's getting better. And, and at some point, uh, it would what i'm hoping for is that you know slowly one by one uh dwarf fortress is able to subsume subsume rather the 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 worst plots you've seen in the fantasy games <laughs> uh just just a horrible go kill the the big monster quest or go fetch this item and stuff that kind of stuff just just um without a lot of backstory those things already kind of being gobbled up and then as you have more and more backstory, we'll we'll be able to match that as well, and uh, hopefully, you know, for the for the people that that that, that play the game, um, it's hard to go back sometimes to the really the really the really horrible stuff. Um, same kind of thing happened with the combat system. It's hard for some people to go back to hit points now, 
because uh, we've done away with that entirely. Right. Uh, added all kinds of stuff uh, with with wounds and paralysis and vomiting and all that kind of thing. Uh, being stunned, crawling on the ground, getting your finger chopped off, and all that stuff. Um, it's it's going to be the same thing with the plots. I mean, I'm just going to keep snatching low hanging fruit until uh, the the game can generate something like a cheap fantasy game. And, uh, you know, so there's always going to be a place for fixed RPGs because people can be very creative. Right. Uh, they can come up with something that's very immersive, although most of the time I'd just rather read a book because I don't have to play the same thing like seven times. But uh, it's, it's uh, I mean, there's, so there's going to be a thing where people kind of, to make a fixed RPG, I think, this is all sort of vague, but to make a, make a fixed plot RPG, people are just going to have to work harder. Uh, and they already do. I mean, you don't see a lot of things with really simple, uh, simple, 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 simple quests anymore and stuff like that. You see quite a bit, but not, not so much. And, uh, you know, people will just have to write at a higher standard and make games at a higher standard, not just because they're competing with uh, similar products, but because the procedural stuff is starting to match them. Uh, and I predict that that's going to happen. Interesting. It already is to some yeah. extent. So, of course, and, and then again, you can see like popular games like uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, which has done a record number of sales. I think it's like five hundred million its first week. Uh, with this sort of beginning, it has its own randomly generated content where you're walking along the streets and you don't know what sort of cars or people are going to be by. But it's mostly sort of a fixed narrative where you have limited choices. You know, do you save this guy or do you kill him? And then later on, if you save sure, him, yeah. he can help you out himself, and things like that. But that—that's sort of sort of an older style of philosophy, game design uh, philosophy, where it's you know it's sort of branching choices, but they all come sort of converge at the same point uh, because obviously they can't re- procedurally generate you know cutscenes or sure, dialogue. Sure. But that's sort of, you know one of the things about Dwarf Fortress. Well, I, I think they could if they try. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a it's a very you know you can only have the voice actors say so much. So, um, but in Dwarf Fortress, it's obviously one of the things about it is its complexity, <laughs> and not just the dwarves themselves, but you know you smelting ore to you know uh, to get metals and things like that. And um, so, what is your philosophy of game design in Dwarf Fortress? In terms of one of the things I've wondered about is. At what point do you say, okay, this is too much, this is too complex, let's cut it back, let's simplify it? What, so, just talk about your overall... <laughs> well, yeah, process. so fortunately, I mean, we don't run into that too much. <laughs> yeah, so... so um, yeah, well, so the, the idea, I mean, there are certain things, I mean, a lot, of it is, a lot of it is knowing ahead of time what's too much to bite off. I mean, uh, time travel, for example. Let's look at time travel. That's really hard. I mean, there's, there's the, I've got this, you know, I've got 10,000 people walking around or whatever. They're not doing much right now, but certainly going back in time, it's, I mean, it's the thing that makes a lot of time travel theory sound silly. It's like everyone thinks there's a, there's a hard disk where every state of the universe has been saved and you can just kind of go back and, you know, just because you have memories or something, you think that there's, you know, every state of the universe has been saved and there's no reason to think that. And that's the kind of thing that would be very difficult to do time travel in World Fortress because you'd have to rewind everything and go back to something and, you know, take hundreds and hundreds of gigs to save that kind of information. I mean, you, you could get away with little things and try and kind of randomly set some stuff up, but um, 
it, it would be it would be a difficult project. So that's the kind of thing we're just starting to think about. It. So it's like that's not going to happen. But if looking at geology or something, I mean, that's a, a part of the game that's obviously a bit overdone compared to some other parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, you know, at least, you know, at some level, you've got the right type of stone occurring in the right type of layer or so on. If you've got metamorphic rock or sedimentary rock, uh, and it'll have the right kinds of stuff in it. Uh, and there's, you know, there's some hundred something different types of stone in the game and so on. It's kind of kind of crazy. And so what, I mean, I just kind of get in these moods, right? I kind of, I'm like, okay, let's work on geology. And so I work on it. I kind of set a vague time limit for myself, get as much of it as I can, and then move on to something else. And at this point, uh, you know, sometimes I do go a little too far in one direction or another. Like, you can, you can, you can dye clothing right now, specific colors and so on. But you can't, uh, you can't do some very basic stuff, like send out a patrol to, to look at... Uh, or to 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 um, or a, or a, an assault on on a nearby town or something, which which in in the, in the fantasy uh, uh, setting is a much more basic activity than dyeing your clothes or or, or tanning a hide or something. Um, so so there's 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 these focuses where I get kind of myopic and and and, and focus in on something for a little while, but all in all, it's it's. Uh, the basic idea would be to, to pick something that hasn't received a lot of attention, work on it for a while, and kind of bring the whole level of the game up and, and try and be kind of comprehensive about it. You're, you're never going to run into a, a real problem with sort of outdoing you know, a modern computer or whatever unless you just do a bad job uh, with your optimizations and so on. And, you know, of course, I, I have some problems in that regard when the game gets slow and so on uh, that I'm you know, going to work out at some point. But uh, there's 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 far more that that you can do add to a game like this uh, before you have to start worrying about you know the, bumping up into any wall. So it's it's more about rather than hitting some kind of technical restriction, it's more about trying to to be comprehensive about it and you know sort of devote your attention to uh, to areas in equal measure. Although I've hardly you know, could be said to have done that. Uh, people's computers being overwhelmed by Dwarf Fortress because of... Uh, well, you've, heard, you've heard of what? Uh, people's computers uh, being overwhelmed in Dwarf Fortress because of uh, uh, the overpopulations, uh, especially cats and other pets, uh, the cat explosions, uh, things like that. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's sort of an unintentional side effect of uh, pets not needing to eat, and so they just keep breeding and breeding and breeding until they're out of control. So as far as um, as far as uh, as far as cats go, and, and so yeah, so so the, yeah, the, the, there's definitely problems with optimization, um, especially when you get up, you know, a hundred dwarves or something, and then you've got you know uh, fifty, sixty cats going around, uh, and different all sorts of different pets and so on. The uh, the the the, the, the you know there are a number of problems there now when you say uh, an unintentional side effect of cats not eating the the pets actually used to eat and it, there were problems there too because they'd eat you out of your fortress <laughs> and uh, so having having them eat too much is 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 a problem so I took it out for the time being I, I took it out uh, and and so I mean you kind of know that you're going to get this overpopulation problem but it's just it's just a, a matter of balancing things out so. Uh, having having the the uh, herbivores um, eat just be able to graze, for instance, on grass. They can't do that now. 
that would help a bit. Um, although, of course, if, if they're if they have you know a lot of grass, then it's not really going to help the population problem. But then, if you if you could, if you could feed um, your your cats, you know, if you had to, and if they if they 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 could eat vermin, although they they run out after a time um, because they eat out most of the vermin on the map. But but uh, dogs are another example. That if you if you if you wanted to feed them meat or something. You know, if you, if you just had to feed them less or something like that. I mean, there are lots of ways to handle this. Right. I mean, this there's been a bit of a discussion about this on, on the forums on my website. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like anything, it's just an ongoing issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, the obvious solution would be to add a, a spay or neuter option to the uh, pet or to the butcher shops um, or the kennels, I guess. But. Uh, <laughs> That would be uh, one possible. Yeah, that came up as well. That came up as well. I think the I think the cons- yeah I think the consensus was that uh, that um, the uh, that that uh, what spaying was was uh, too advanced a technology actually going in and doing some kind of uh, operation like that. But that of course just just doing the the, the castration would would be fair game and and castration is probably going into the game. Castration of, of your livestock and, and so on, being able to do that. All right. Um, I mean, it's, it's something that, that you. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes some people feel uncomfortable if you've got if you've got an animal being dragged off to the butcher shop to, to be you know denatted or whatever. But the uh, but the uh, uh, and, and the the worst part will be the bugs when it messes up an item ID and then a dwarf drags off another dwarf or something. Uh, but. You know, we'll we'll weather that. We'll weather the storm there. Right. Eventually, end up with you know better livestock management. All right. But what else did you? Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the uh, the wounds, the uh, hit locations, and things like that, which you said you took from the cyberpunk uh, tabletop game. What else did you carry over from tabletop uh, uh, RPGs? And uh, so, so what have you uh, carried over? So, so the uh, so the the idea here, uh, yeah, I, I, the the cyberpunk was was largely inspirational for the uh, for the wound system. We kind of had had uh, we were playing D and D before we played cyberpunk. So uh, with D and D, and I think a lot of people experience this. Uh, at least with, I don't know what the later editions do, but uh, we were up to we were started on first and then went to second or something. I don't remember the exact numbers, or whatever. But the uh, the uh, there's just hit points, right? And so you get frustrated, right? You're you're fighting these things and hacking the crap out of them. You're kind of relying on your DM to say someone's arm got chopped off, but you can't really chop his arm off unless he's dead or something, because there's there weren't really a lot of rules in place unless you make them yourself. And, and so Cyberpunk was very refreshing. We were kind of one of these things. We'd written a few little teeny little baby basic games because we've been programming forever. Um, and this these these really these really baby kind of games where someone's arm would get blown off or something, but uh, Cyberpunk kind of kind of had it. With, you know, it was it was it was it was in line with how we were thinking and definitely uh, reinforced a lot of that because you had uh, you, it was easy to roll up a character really fast and they could get killed in one hit all the time. There's none of those kind of hit points get higher and higher and higher type of thing, and uh, easy for them to get messed up, put in the hospital. Um, really fast with you know no way to stop it and then you can roll up another character so this kind of this kind of meat grinder effect uh you know that 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 was also how we played uh a lot of our kind of roguelike games these early sort of randomized text games uh is the same kind of thing where you you'd run a character they get wiped out it gets um 
you get a score list. So this is this is the kind of thing that that came from our uh, the, sort of the synergy between these role playing games and, and the roguelike games we were playing is is this uh, this persistence of uh, of a record of what you've done uh, that that you have in a role playing game just because you've still got your sheets and you can talk about your characters and stuff. But with the, with the computer games, it's a little more difficult. Uh, so you have this you have a record of what you've done. So it doesn't matter if you lose it. Uh, and this is a this is this is kind of an important thing for us. Um, why we have so many things that it records about the game that you're playing, because if if in, in a fixed plot game, for example, you just kind of race off a, and do do this plot, and it doesn't matter if it records if you want or not. You just watch a little uh, ten second video saying that everything's cool or whatever, and uh, and you know that's that's fine. But if 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 the, if the game is more like a strategy game or something, then you want you want to have something that kind of says that you were there or whatever. And um, uh, you know, that's 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 kind of that kind of far afield from from the original topic. But the uh, <laughs> no, that's uh, with the, with the, the tabletop games. That, yeah. <clears throat> so so the, 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 with the tabletop, the, yeah. So so I mean the 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 the, the wound system and the pacing. The, the pacing that we got from the... Cause we, it was kind of funny. When we were playing D&D, we basically approached it like a computer game. I mean, I'm not sure where this fits, in, fits into the theory of, of role-playing game because it wasn't about competition or anything like that. But we played it sort of like these early SSI games or something. You, you'd go into a room and kill some monsters, kind of a dungeon crawl or whatever, um, and, and, and move on and then you know eventually finish finish the, the, the plot or whatever we, we so it all kind of all kind of flows together but the the, the um, yeah so the, the way you can you can just kind of uh, uh, well I guess the train of thought was derailed a bit there but no actually so I'm that's, losing um, my track now. <laughs> right right the uh, that's sort of the old schools uh, school of game design of gaming is the kick the doors down, play it as a competition, a tactical, that's actually still very popular, the tactical challenge of conquering your foes and also recording your victories and your defeats, uh, the persistence, um, you know, people tell <laughs> stories of their, you know... Uh, it's sort of like... So, um... Anyways, you were going to say... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, with the, with the, 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 yeah, well, just with the tactical thing, it's like, uh, it's like, we didn't really care about high tactics or anything, or uh, it was almost like a grind. It was kind of funny. It's like you know, you get these things in front of you. We didn't really think much about, about uh, uh, you know, you know, being being either competing with each other or really overcoming. I mean, it's, it's almost meditative. <laughs> you kind of get through these things because you know you're not. You know you're. I mean, you know you're. But this is the difference between for us the way we played D and D and the way we played Cyberpunk. With, with D and D, it was sort of this this thing where. Uh, we'd have we just cycled. We didn't have a fixed DM. This is my brother and I, and then some random friends, depending on where we were living at the time. And we'd kind of just set up an adventure. So I mean, those those things would mostly be for comedic effect or something like where where you ended up or or whatever. But but mostly you're just sort of grinding against these these monsters, and you knew you were always going to win. There are pretty much no characters die. We didn't kill people's characters because it's just a pain in the ass to kill someone's character. Uh, so it, I mean, these, you know, it's all your friends at the table or whatever, and you know, if someone's gonna gonna get knocked out. You know, at the time we were we were young enough that we didn't we didn't really have a, a strategy for dealing with that. And when you get older, you can you can deal with that in all kinds of ways. But um, 
And we played Cyberpunk completely differently, though. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess it was because it was so much easier to roll up a character. It just took a few minutes to generate a character. And so we just, we just uh, you know, people's characters would die at random, and then they just kind of get a new one that would be weaved into the, into the storyline. And so on. So it was a different way of playing that didn't really relate to how we, we were playing. We played D&D more like we'd play a game that other people wrote, and we played Cyberpunk more like a game that we wanted to write. And that we eventually, you know, took a stab at writing, um, but but we essentially played D and D like like the old role playing games, even the console role playing games like Dragon Warrior or whatever it's called, uh, just just kind of going through the the, the motions more or less, um, and yeah, that was pretty much always like that. All right. Um, <laughs> are there any particular uh, uh, stories from your tabletop games that you still remember? Of oh my character you know uh, killed the dragon this way or any other uh, anecdotes that you're, you still remember? Well, <laughs> well, since I mean the only ones that stuck with me are the, the ones that are horrible, right? Because uh, <laughs> I mean the the, uh, the we didn't really <laughs> we were young, right? We were young, and so so we were we were entranced with the foul things uh, that you do and bending the rules and so on. I mean, we'd go through these fighting and stuff like that, but it didn't really matter. We, we hardly, I mean, we rarely finished the game of D&D. Um, but, uh, I mean, there, there would be things like, uh, like, like, I think my brother brought out this white dragon once that no one really had a chance of beating. We had, we had, we, it was just, you know, uh, way better than us. And so he allowed us to, uh, to uh, use uh, one of those stone shaping spells to turn the, uh, Turn the mountainside into a a, a, a a giant butt, and then he then he did uh, then he did stone to flesh, and and turn it into a giant fleshy butt, and then used fireball to light a fart at the dragon. Uh, that's the kind of level we were operating at as children, and that's that's something that I remember. Now there's plenty of other things uh, that were more standard adventures, right? But those don't stick with you quite the same way. Right. I don't know right. why, but uh, you know that's 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 one of my one of my I bet that's I guess is that one of my precious memories? <laughs> I guess I just shared it with you. Uh, so, so, so uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, I mean, the other stuff just amounts to getting shot in the head. I and mean, that's cyberpunk. Yeah, I have memories. I had a character named Screwdriver got shot in the head. Um, and uh, it, yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's pretty. It's pretty highbrow. You gotta watch out. Yeah, there's uh, actually one role playing game I played a lot called Call of Cthulhu, which is a horror game. And characters, like in Cyberpunk, die very frequently. Although, instead of being shot in their head, they're usually eaten by Cthulhu or some other monster from beyond time and space. And so, uh, some of my fondest stories are of characters dying horrible deaths. So I think that's sort of a uh, tradition of gaming, is the, 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 the weird and the, the uh, uh, memorable deaths and uh, other exploits, rather than the victories. Um, but... You know, since those you know early days of gaming, uh, your innocent days of uh, you know uh, first edition D and D games have sort of uh, advanced. There's all you know this game design theory, like the big model with gaming narrativist and simulationist, and then of course uh, fourth edition D and D is launching in about a month uh, with a very large online component where people can play on a virtual tabletop and uh, things like that. So. What do you? What are your impressions of these uh, later developments in tabletop games? Um, do you see them as 
a pair, you know, especially when you compare them to, you know, video games. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's been, I mean, I, I've only become kind of re-familiarized with this stuff recently because, uh, someone would mention more focus on a blog and the, the blog would, would also have, have a lot of stuff to say about tabletop gaming and so on. And it seems like there's, there's really, uh, yeah, there's just an awful lot going on because, because when I was, uh, a kid, you, of course, you kind of know about D&D, and then you bump into whatever you kind of bump into at your local hobby shop or whatever, and I imagine it's a different game everywhere. I mean, for us, it was Cyberpunk, uh, and you had, you know, the ones you're interested in, uh, and uh, I, I mean, I, I guess people can probably find them easier now that there's an internet and so on, which we didn't really have a connection with when we were growing up. Uh, and, uh, but then, yeah, it just seems like there's a crazy amount of different, different, different things going on, uh, and uh, as, as far as how it relates relates to video games, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I, I mean, some of the things you mentioned about the theories and so on. I mean, I guess there's there's some applicability there. And now that you've got these online things. It doesn't quite. I mean, it doesn't relate to to, to anything that I'm doing so so particularly, or, or just video games in general, because it seems like it's kind of a kind of a. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to say it's something like Second Life or something, but just a place where people can get together and kind of have their their avatars and the grid and the monsters, and they can move the pieces around and so on. I mean, it's, it's all. I mean, it's all. It all seems very cool to me, especially because it gets people that that are unable to play anymore, or you know, back back playing with each other and so on. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 kind of hard to draw parallels. Although I guess I guess it could happen. I mean, I never really got into Neverwinter Nights. I guess I had something like that where it kind of drew the uh, uh, you you could you could have a DM or something like that and kind of uh, uh, play those uh, play it kind of halfway in between a regular D and D campaign and a and a more of a traditional computer game. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> all right, fair enough. I mean, you you're uh, already. Uh, Um, Well, of course, I've also uh, uh, went on the Something Awful forums to ask, uh, you know, one of your larger fan bases to see if they had any questions. They had a couple of uh, questions about Dwarf Fortress. Um, What, let's see here, do you think you'll ever be able to finish the game, or are you going to have a couple people help out working on the game? I mean, as far as finishing the game, I have no idea really that that'll ever happen, but as far as getting to the, the version 1.0 uh, or whatever, I put up my, my goals for that, and yeah, I plan to do that all on, all on my own. I mean, I'm not going to involve um, other programmers, that kind of thing. I, I just feel that the, the project would kind of slip out of my grasp if uh, there were other people really involved with, with writing it, and then I wouldn't know what some of the code was somewhere, and so if someone dipped into the project and then dipped out, I'd just be left kind of more clueless with it. Um, I mean, I guess uh, you know, managing managing large teams and so on is a kind of skill people develop, and they're able to pay for that as well. Um, but uh, uh, for me, this is this is kind of the way I'm, I do things. I'm going to be programming it on my own, uh, designing with my brother, taking input from people, and uh, plugging along until I get to uh, get to where I'm going. I'm Imagine it'd be uh, some years until the uh, the version one goals are complete, and if I'm still around, meaning people are still supporting what I'm doing. Uh, through the donations and so on, then I'll just continue and do the uh, the additional goals I had and uh, keep working on my weekend games and so on. Eventually, get some some other games out and uh, uh, yeah, everything's just going going fine uh, without without actually involving other people in the 
the, the technical stuff. All right. Um, that was a, a user Brannick, by the way. Um, this uh, next question is, let's see here, from Crack Baby. <laughs> uh, what are you doing to back up the source code? Uh, what do you, <laughs> if you lose all the source code in a crash, distribute Kool-Aid to all the fans and yourself? Uh, no, see, 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 suicide is not the answer, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'd be distraught if I lost everything, so I'd back it, I, I mean, so I don't, I don't have it online anywhere, I'm kind of paranoid about that, that whole thing, having some kind of, uh, online, send your source code off to somewhere, repository, source 4G type thing, or whatever, uh, or whatever, I just don't, I don't, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if it's just because I'm an old fogey or something, but the, uh, it just doesn't feel secure to me, so I, so I, I, I burn CDs, I just burn CDs, I got CDs scattered all over everywhere, not just in my apartment, but other, other places as well, there's CDs, and so, if my apartment were burglarized and they stole the laptop, I'd be a day back, if my apartment burned down, I'd probably be three or four days back, um, and, you know, if we had some kind of North Korean situation where we lost the state of Washington, then, oh, that'd be the last of my worries, I guess, uh, where the source was. But, uh, I, the, uh, but so I, I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. I, 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 I had a problem, I think, uh, before I released it, uh, maybe a year before I released it, where I got set two weeks back. And that's when I tighten things up a little bit. I don't forget to back up now. I always back up, and I always leave stuff off-site and so on. So it's, it's, uh, I'm not that worried about it. I'm not that worried about it. I don't think I need to go do anything uh, online or anything. And I don't, I don't know anything about RAID hard drives and all that kind of stuff. I just burn CDs. I just burn lots of CDs. Uh, and I imagine that there, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I think I've got an external hard drive sitting over on the floor somewhere that some, some, somebody gave me for Christmas. Or something. I haven't used that yet. I should. I could probably use that too. Um, but yeah, nothing fancy. All right. Um, this is from uh, uh, Futkerchief, uh, who uh, wants to know how much ramen you eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things, right? Where where you're like, you uh, you have a certain amount of support, and it's it's okay. But it would feel more okay if you didn't eat much. And, uh, but I'm, I'm not on ramen. I eat rice. I, I rice and I buy flour and make bread. And, uh, occasionally I'll splurge on, on some of my favorite little things or whatever, but mostly it's beans, canned beans, can of tomatoes, uh, uh, flour. And I make pizza type stuff with that, not with cheese, but just with, uh, with, uh, garlic and, and tomatoes and, and, uh, spices and stuff. And, uh, and more rice and uh, and water. It's pretty exciting. Um, it's interesting. I, I've been reading the forums, and a lot of the discussion is uh, based on the fans worrying about you because oh, is he getting enough donations to get by? Should we donate more? <laughs> and uh, uh, things like that. It, you, it's like you know you have a, a a very concerned fan base about your well-being. I think that's. Uh, sort of unique in the game design world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it's. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm complaining too much. I guess, but but no, I can understand why they they worry about that. I kind of. I mean, but but all the months. I mean, ever since the the, the Z coordinate release, I, I've made enough money to support myself every month. So it's it's been the 
it's been pretty good. I still don't have health insurance, uh, but I mean, part of that is just like. I mean, you have a good month, and you have a bad month, and you have a good month, and you have a bad month. I mean, you really want to drop an extra, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars it would be every month on some kind of uh, gamble with your own health or whatever. I mean, the, the only health crisis I've had so far I've been able to pay for out of my pocket with uh, having the total cost be less than the cost of health insurance, but it's a, I suppose it's a fool's game to keep playing it that way. But at the same time, I don't feel like I can afford it. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, yeah, well, I guess if I rant on like that, they'll just be more concerned. But it's all right. Everything's okay. <laughs> and uh, they should still donate. Uh, donations are cool. Right. <laughs> of course. Um, Hamlin uh, is asking what you think of things like Regional Prospector and Rick's Tools and uh, if those might be rolled into the game someday. I guess about, you, you know, third-party mods and things like that. So um, what are your thoughts on those tools? Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 a, that, yeah that, that, that one's like um, it depends. It really, really, really depends on the uh, on the on the tool itself. Uh, there's there's kind of uh, tools that are meant to replace the the gross shortcomings of the interface, and those kind of things. Yeah, I'll get I, you know I, over time I'll I'll get to that. I, I mean I'm not going to roll in anyone's code. Or even look at them. I've never actually looked at one of these tools, but uh, the kind of things that they want and have asked for in the suggestions forums that people have made tools for, uh, some of those things about setting their professions in an easier way and so on, all that kind of stuff eventually will, will come in. Then there's sort of the debug-type tools or, or, or cheating, I guess you could call it whatever that means, tools, where like, like Regional Prospector, for example, where, where people want to have more information than... I would give them in, the, in a sort of stock setting situation, but I don't really mind them having or whatever. It's, it's so those kind of things as options. I mean, that stuff can creep in, but adding optional settings is kind of lower priority than stuff that's uh, that that affects everybody. But um, at the same time, there are a few things like that that you know you can really see the the the, the, the want uh, people want to have those and. The fewer utilities there are, the you know occasionally I'm not sure how many uh, bug reports come out of someone using a utility incorrectly or so on because I don't really know all of what's out there. But even if that's infrequent, it's something that that is a, that's kind of a small issue. And then uh, uh, then there are things like people you know make an entire sort of 3D visualizer overhead things, and that's when I start kind of feeling just leery about it. Just like, well, you know, can I lose control of my project this way or something? Uh, because someone's created a whole new interface for it, and you know, if it becomes popular, am I going to become beholden to that person? You know, even though it's my game, uh, that that kind of thing kind of worries the hell out of me sometimes. But so far, that hasn't been a you know problem. But when you have a game like this, where it's it's kind of, I've been working on it for a long time. It hasn't been you know released with a life substantially longer than a regular. Uh, commercial game because it's only been up for a year and something. But you know, if it's still here after five years, I mean, that kind of thing will only tend to grow. And so, sticking with the same project like that—that's kind of a real risk to tying up your livelihood in, in one project. Is that things like that will will continue to happen, uh, and it can it can only become you know more of an issue. Uh, but I'm not that worried about it. I, mean, I go through phases of worry on it, but right now everything's okay. All right, that's good. Um, lastly, there's a question from Brown Moses talking, asking um, if you'd like to see player fortresses that can be left to run themselves while the player makes another fortress, and how that could be integrated into the game world. 
Yeah, yeah. The, 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 if we're talking about just sort of the, the retirement of a fortress or the temporary um, uh, retirement of a fortress while you go and do other things, uh, that, that, that's come up uh, quite, quite a few times. And it's, it's uh, uh, depending on how well you want to do it, it becomes, it's anywhere from a sort of a trivial to an impossible problem. Uh, and so, so I, I didn't want to just do it the, the, the trivial way where you're like, yes, I abandoned the fortress and it just kind of sits there in a stasis or whatever with the people kind of, the dwarves just kind of sitting there and you can go visit them, even though that kind of is what happens now because your dwarves don't migrate after you abandon, but actually leaving it as a, as a settlement, your dwarves just kind of sit there. I was kind of hoping, hoping to get through some of the, the caravan arc stuff where I'm going to start tracking resources uh, throughout the world, and um, uh, the the uh, you know maybe a little bit more, but really it's the, the caravan arcs that one of the main missing things. And then we can start thinking about that. I mean, I'm certainly not not against it uh, because the, 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 there's this kind of, sort of this thing where there were originally the game was all about you know you play your game, you you just totally flame out, lose, and then continue on, but. I mean, I, I can see how that's not something that, that people are always going to want to do, especially if they've, in a sense, won. They're in their region, uh, uh, I mean, in their local map, and they've, they've, they've found everything that's there to find. They repel outside invasions without difficulty, and uh, they just, they're done. And they want to just keep that as some kind of giant dwarven capital and then start a new outpost. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the the impetus to do that might decrease um, in the future now the, the after after uh, three or four releases on the army arc because um, they'll be able to send out armies and affect the world and when they get these large fortresses that's when they'll be in the best position to do that and so it'll increase the uh, the, the the play value of a, of a fortress like that but still uh, you know the the same issue will will be lurking there and yeah i'm i'm, I'm for that i, I think uh, people should be not not with the issue lurking there but but for allowing uh people to to retire their fortresses doing things like uh the the, the when it starts getting more tricky is when when someone's like yeah i want to i want to shelf this fortress for you know four game months while i work on this other this other project and then go back to the other fortress uh you know what should have happened to your fortress in between you can sort of gloss over them just by holding everyone in stasis. That's the kind of thing I said I didn't want to do um, uh, so much. I'd rather try and come up with a solution, but uh, I mean, it, it, it opens up a, a few tricky issues. So, Tarn, what is next for Dwarf Fortress? What is coming soon, and what are your uh, upcoming plans for it? Are there anything you'd like to announce for Dwarf Fortress? <laughs> Well, right now we're just uh, uh, we wanted to the the main goal, which has actually been the main goal for for more than a year, is to is to get armies in the game doing interesting things. Right, right now, if you're running a dwarf fortress, you can be attacked by goblins or something. But with that whole world generation, placing goblin towers throughout the world and human towns, and the elves have their places and the dwarves have their places and so on, none of that really comes into play right now. I mean, in the adventure mode, you can visit those places, but it's very static. So um, there, there are lots of ways to, to make, uh, make a world kind of come alive and, and become more dynamic with, with places being removed and founded and so on. But a, a natural way to do that, that that fits the genre is just to have people killing each other, right? So um, 
So the uh, the 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 way we're gonna so I've been working on armies uh, for a while. I actually announced the um, what I've been calling the army arc of development uh, uh, about uh, what January of last year, and then I thought, well, okay, I have to do the seamless maps and the z-axis uh, stuff first. So I did all that, and now I'm back to the army arc and starting with world generation, so that. Instead of just running forward a thousand years where nothing really happens, they spread out, uh, but they don't fight each other when they bump into each other, and nothing really happens when they bump into each other. Now they'll now now it's kind of been cut loose. They'll they'll fight with each other and abduct each other's children, steal each other's stuff. Uh, to the extent that stuff is defined right now, it really isn't. Um, meaning there's no resources or or trade or anything like that. But um, you know they'll they'll raise each other's cities and build Assyrian-style corpse mounds and pillars, stretch their skin out over the walls and all that kind of stuff that you you read uh, when you're when you're doing ancient history, and uh, you know they'll they'll enslave each other and uh, the slaves will grow up in the new civilization and have to deal with that and so on. It's all very sort of skeletal right now. There's not a lot. Uh, fleshing it out, but just having that framework in place is going to allow us to do an awful lot. And the stage after that, we're going to make um, make the stuff happen in the regular game, so it'll take all of that stuff it's been doing and allow it to continue on, which is kind of the whole point, uh, so that you can interact with the armies. And if you get invaded in, in fortress mode, you'll actually be invaded by an actual army that has something to do with the world rather than something that was generated for you. Uh, so that'll happen in, in three stages. The first stage will just be getting that to happen at all, having the armies move around and having some interaction with the adventurer, making adventure mode a bit more fun. Then uh, I'll do the part where the, the armies can actually attack you in dwarf mode. And then finally, the thing that a lot of people have probably been looking forward to is having you be able to send out armies from your fortress and cause trouble all over the world. Um, at least as far as you can you can you can manage to stretch your tendrils uh and it's going to take a while i mean this first release is taking quite a bit longer than i thought it's already been uh 3 or 4 months and uh yeah 3 months and uh but i'm 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 i've gotten over most of the big hurdles now but that that's the direction things are going to go just trying to make the world more dynamic uh through violence and then uh It'll be more dynamic through trade and so on later. I mean, I've got a caravan arc, diplomacy arc, and so on, but this is kind of the natural one to start War with. War comes first. That's the... That's uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, very interesting. Uh, I look forward to seeing uh, uh, the sagas of armies marching on each other in the near future. Uh, do you have any time frame of when the next release is going to be... Uh, uh, uploaded or released to the public? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've, I've just gotten over the, the worst of it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be hoping to be able to get it out uh, next month finally. But uh, every time I promise something, it doesn't come true. You know, <laughs> so it's just, it's just. I, I, I'd hope it comes out in June, and you know, you'd really expect that to happen. So, yeah, it's just because uh, this is not like the the Z axis release took nine months to do, but that was a huge change. I mean, adding a third coordinate to the game, and and all kinds of other stuff that came in with that release, and this one. You're not really going to notice that much. I mean, you'll have the world generation, but then when you start playing the actual game, it'll be like it's the same as usual, because uh, uh, the the um, those subsequent releases haven't haven't happened yet, where I actually make this stuff matter. So uh, I mean, a lot of people, hopefully, they're not getting too 
impatient with me, but uh, it has to go this way because you have to set up the uh, the framework first uh, before you. Yeah. Right. Sad. I've read a lot of your uh, donation one uh, stories. They're posted on the <laughs> SA forums. Uh, I, re- I really like the fish dwarf uh, saga today. Uh, yeah, the guy. Yeah, it's too bad that guy got. Uh, we had this miscommunication where yeah. um, where he uh, uh, he because uh, he, he sent two donations right. seven days apart. And so I was like, okay, I'll send you a cliffhanger in conclusion, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't really want the story to end, but uh, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I don't really want to end it. I just meant a cliffhanger and then like a conclusion in that part of the story. And he's like, yeah. well, you know, if you have to end the story, you have to end the story. So now apparently I'm ending Fish Dwarf. Ending yeah. Fish Dwarf with a story. It's going to be an epic uh, conclusion to the Fish Dwarf right now. He's entombed. Yeah, in the uh, underwater cavern. The underwater part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my brother writes most of those things. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate sometimes because uh, people post them on something awful, and uh, I, I will usually attribute either to my brother or myself, but oftentimes the attributions aren't included. Right. So uh, I'm writing Fish Dwarf, and most of the other ones that were posted were written by him, uh, uh, I think. Okay. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, he just has, he, I mean, we have different writing styles. I, I, I tend to be a bit more dense and just mess around with the words, and he has this sort of uh, powerful, more cinematic way of writing things. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, so yeah. I'm looking forward to finishing Fish Dwarf. I have a bunch of other ones to continue first, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I tend to fall behind because I'm always doing the programming stuff. I got I've got uh, six or seven continuations to write, six or seven cran art things to draw. My brother's all cut up. He does the new ones, um, and they're all caught up. But I'm a month behind. I'm always a month behind. <laughs> but because uh, everyone sent me money on my birthday, <laughs> I was like, nice. oh, that's cool. That's a nice little gift. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good birthday present. I got like three thousand dollars. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like holy. Sh-. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, we've made like you know five bucks in uh, Google Ads so far. <laughs> the the podcast. Yeah, people, people have been telling me about Google Ads and stuff, and I was like, the rates don't seem that good unless you've no. got like uh, some kind of site that's just meant to suck people in and give them career. It's all about the click throughs. If you get a lot of click throughs, then it you can actually get a pretty decent thing. But if you're not getting you know fifty thousand views a day or something, ten thousand views a day, it really it's not worth bothering with i mean on the other hand you can throw them up there i mean it doesn't really cost you anything to put it up there so yeah well i mean it, it does in a sense if you've got this kind of image we do of this kind of uh um independent commercial yeah. fr- environment then i i don't know having the google ads there is kind of that's true something that's i was true. trying to lean away from but yeah i mean i don't care that much myself yeah, it's, it's i mean it's, the- it's going to be peanuts i mean at best you'll just make some hosting fees back um so i don't yeah, know that's how much uh, uh, bandwidth do you use a month? I mean, I assume the... Uh... Uh, yeah, it's, it's what, 200 gigabytes? Um, about. But I've, I've got... My cap on my plan is 500, so I'm not... Oh, I who mean, do you use? Uh, unfortunately, I'm on Vireo. Because, uh, 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 I, I mean, they're, they're one of the biggest ones. And right. it was a reasonable plan when I signed up in 2000. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's changed. Um, but now it's crap. Uh, I mean, you see these plans all over the place that offer, you know, four times as much I've got at half yeah. the price. But yeah. moving is moving is worse for me right now. It is. It is a pain. I'm using um, Bluehost right now. I get for like um, 95 a year, I get like uh, 6,000 gigs of transfer a month and 600 yeah. gigs of storage. And so, I, I mean, I use maybe 100 gigs a month, but I'm moving MP3, so, you know, even a few hundred downloads of a, a file will yeah, yeah. Eat a lot of yeah, but it's it's that kind of thing that I see where people are just. Uh, it's basically the situation that 
that I was talking about, I've seen people getting about 6000 a month or whatever, and it's like, oh, man, I could use 6000 a month. So right now I'm mirroring my downloads. I don't know my download counts anymore because i got three other people uh, uh, mirroring right. the downloads, and I don't have stats on those. But uh, So I, I wouldn't have to if I had that. So I might move sometime. Maybe, I mean, I could, I could try and uh, – because I'm probably moving forums pretty soon. That was the main thing is because uh. I've got this creaky, creaky-ass old 2001 uh, uh, Ultimate Bulletin Board. And uh, I need to move that, and, and I can't really move it. It's kind of just just stuck in the site. It's just this nasty old thing. Exporting all and, the users would be a pain. Yeah, just exporting everything. So I'm just going to start clean, but maybe I should start clean somewhere else. <laughs> I guess. Do you go to any of the con, big cons of the year or anything like that? Or are you? Just... I never hear about them. People, okay. people are like, "Are you going to the?" There was some game dev one in San Francisco or something uh, in February. Yeah. And. Or G, is that GDC? I don't know what the hell they're called. Uh, Game but, Developers Conference, yeah. Yeah, and so they're like, are you going to that in February? And they wrote me that on like February 10th or something. And I was like, uh, no, I hadn't, didn't even hear about it. I mean, I'm not sure what I think because it's, I mean, it's a hassle for me to travel or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure what the benefit is getting together with a bunch get of game more developers. donations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if, you get, if you get more if you get if you get actual people, I mean, if it's like a game developer, if it's just yeah. developers, then it's like, well, you know... I mean, maybe that'd be cool, but I don't. I mean, I don't really like a lot of what they're doing, so it's yeah. like I just go there and be like, "Oh, great." Uh, <laughs> so, well, it's not. It's, I mean, it's not their. It's not their fault, right? I mean, they've they've got right. all those core people above them who are essentially co co designers or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like that guy you were talking to. Uh, I don't remember his name, but the the white wolf guy who did the blood. Dim oh yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you know, where did you get that name from? He's like, well, they gave us the name and. <laughs> We just had to work from there. Yeah, I've done <laughs> like, some freelance game writing. That's pretty much how it is. Like, we want something on Jack the Ripper. Okay, I'll write something on Jack the Ripper. All right. You want 2,500 words? I'll do 2,500 words. All right. Yeah, and if, and if you if you go too far afield, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, we just wanted it to be, you know, yeah. garden variety, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that sounded too bad with with the crap he was doing with the the underwater vampires and shit, but they had some kind of Eastern shit coming out. Oh, or something yeah, yeah. That was... Uh, like a, um, yeah. Vampires in Japan and Asia are more alien than the vampires that live underwater. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't had contact weird. for thousands of years or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they suck karma or something. It's like it's like karma vampires. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever, whatever. That's really. So that's, yeah, I like it when they cut loose though, because uh, those are the books that I like to go buy, and then you just kind of read them and let them stew. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my favorite, I think my favorite D and D book was the um, I don't know if it was second edition Manual of the Planes was really interesting because mm-hmm. they just kind of they just they just kind of just whatever the hell came into their mind they're just like uh, and this plane's filled with apes and giant bird like creatures and stuff and they're just like going nuts and then you you read the the Manual of the Planes for the later edition when they start getting all Cutter and Burke and Planescape on your ass and you're like. Uh, it's not apes and bird-like creatures. It's like, there will be 2d4 yeti and 1d2 rocks. I'm like, what? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so dis- there, there have been two RPGs that I, that I, um, I just got um, that I really want to get. One is called Cthulhu Tech. It's like, you know, Cthulhu mythos, all these elder gods and, you know, alien horse and giant robots fighting <laughs> each other. And it sound, looks really cool, and I, I haven't been able to get it. It's kind of like riffs or something where it's just yeah. kind of... Yeah, stuck together. I never yeah. actually played. Um, yeah, Riffs is uh, 
kind of kludgy, but it's it's fun, especially if you're a teenager and you're like, oh, robots and dragons and ninjas. Oh, great. We're going to blow shit up. And uh, Yeah, I don't know. I never played like that, but my, my friend Alan from high school, he – I, they they had this ritual before I moved there. Apparently, he was with this group of role players, and they had this ritual where they'd all roll up like these fortieth level characters or something, and they'd kill Odin. It's like <laughs> it's like every week, every week they'd kill Odin. And I'm like, no, like, I don't know. It's just... like some kind of super power trip. I was like, goddamn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been in games like that. That 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 can be fun, you know. That whole I've got three digit hit points. I've got four digit hit points. I, you know, I've got a string to three digits. You know, something like that. Yeah, they just uh, start talking about mega damage and shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, God, that is ridiculous. <laughs> there is one con I'm going to this year, and it's uh, Gen Con, the the big one in uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's huge. There's like forty, fifty thousand people there. And uh, that's where you know they announced D and D fourth edition last year, and um, yeah, I'm going just you know to meet other podcasters, and just hang out and have fun or whatever. And but I mean that would that would be uh, I'm sure if you go there, you would probably find you know uh, quite a few uh, Dwarf Fortress players there. But uh, yeah, you'd have to you'd have to advertise somehow. I mean I I mean I don't know if you if you could. I mean it's probably you need to pay some kind of fee to set up a booth or something like that. Or well, yeah, to set up in the. I mean, you can just walk around and. But I, could, I could just wear a, wear a I I wrote Dwarf Fortress T shirt or something. That would pretty much get you a crowd. I bet because <laughs> they do also like a, a showcase video games there. So all the uh, um, like World of Warcraft and Age of Conan people will be like, oh, is that are you really the Dwarf Fortress guy? That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, or you could just sell a, a boat murdered T-shirts. That would be a great merchandising opportunity. Get some uh, uh, artists to draw burning dwarves running around and uh, put a T-shirt well, on I, it. Yeah, I, I could hire some circus performers and set them on fire. And yeah, them, yeah, some midgets. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to get a. Have you seen? Have you seen? This is this. I don't know if this is a PC question or not, but have you seen one of the little people but with a big ass beard? I haven't really seen that. I've never really seen a bearded one, uh, bearded dwarf or midget. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I don't know if that, do they do they shave or do people like Willow? They just can't grow that shit. Um, I think genetically some of them can't, but like others probably could. They just don't. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's similar to. I mean, I, wait, I don't mean to draw, I, I, can, I think I've yeah. seen uh, the Lollipop Guild. I think that was fake, but in the Wizard of Oz, they had beards, right? Ah uh, man, that's been a while. <laughs> but I it's possible. Say yes. possible. But I'm, I'm just afraid if I go if I, if I go in and type "bearded little person" into the uh, yeah. into the Google uh, images, then yeah, uh, turns, I think I got, I got I think I got my porn filter on. I mean, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll survive. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's just yeah yeah. I have no idea. I really I really don't have the slightest idea. No, they well they got they got little kids holding holding beards over there. <laughs> over their faces and stuff. Uh, but they have bearded dragons, you know, the lizard? They got them stacked. They got four stacked on top of each other. I don't know what that has Big. to do with that. But uh, no, I they, actually <laughs> have a bearded dragon. Uh, weird that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I had an iguana, but that you can't you can't mess with the iguana. Yeah, it got six long, and then you can't you can't wow. put it on the table anymore. Yeah, it was bitter. It was bitter because we didn't know to feed it calcium the first few years, so it got this uh, really giant oak bite, and it would bite people. Uh, uh, it was not trained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bearded dragons are about as you know uh, uh, pacifist of a lizard as you can have. I mean, they just do not care. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing on Google at all. Google's doing me wrong here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to type bearded dwarf because that's like a waste of time. I think yeah. it was good D and D stuff that way. But the uh, but the uh, but I tried bearded a bunch of other stuff and nothing, nothing. I mean, that's intriguing to me. Interesting. Uh, Maybe Wikipedia will say, "Oh, they can't grow beards or whatever." So yeah, yeah, because it, it seems it seems strange. And I don't know what the the roots of the mythology and so on were, but it, it I mean it probably doesn't come from that because because uh, those dwarves have giant beards. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. It's like one of those things. Like now, all dwarves are supposed to be you know have Scottish accents. Um, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Heavy drinking, Scottish accents, and yeah. Uh, uh, oh no, no. Here we go. Uh, the the dwarf Don Sebastian de Mora by Velasquez uh, in his portrait. Uh, now they they got a serious guy, but he's got a big honking Civil War looking beard. Um, uh, so like a ZZ Top type beard, or uh, well, it's not. It's it's not quite like General Longstreet type of beard, but it's. I right. mean, he's got the curling mustache with a giant kind of goatee that's a little oh, bigger right, than right, a goatee. Right. <laughs> it goes way down, and uh, yeah, no, he's uh, so maybe maybe it's just out of style. Maybe it's a more of a style thing. That's these true. Days. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it could be just practical issues. I mean, you don't want to get too big, then they'd be tripping over it or something like that. <laughs> yeah well jesus but i hope none of this is on the podcast now <laughs> well i can edit that part out yeah uh um, there'd be there'd just be this weird gap where blah 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 uh oh what about tours and then silence be like and then we'll talk about something blah 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 yeah yeah i don't know why my mind is flowing that direction these days but but yeah i don't know yeah that was just an intriguing question to me um but there we go. It's been answered, at least back back, back in the good old days there when they go. could have beards. One final question. Uh, what, what is your personal favorite game of all time? You know, you're on a desert island. got one game. It can be a video game. can be a tabletop game, uh, assuming it will be you and your brother, so you have someone to play with if, that, if it's multiplayer. So what would be your one desert island game? Huh. Well, it depends. I mean, so so do we do? We, I mean, is this is this a desert island game for posterity's sake, or just something that I'd kind of be a fiend on? Something. Uh, that, yeah, something you'd be a fiend on. Something you would uh, be able to play <laughs> the longest, get the most playtime out of. Ah, uh, yeah. I because I, I get bored with things pretty fast. I mean, there are games like Starflight and stuff where I, you know, I. It's it's one of my favorite games, but I can't really play it now. Uh, it, it, but it, it, I mean, it was it was really a, a, an eye opener for me and very influential when I was a child. But the, uh, but now, uh, yeah, I hardly, I hardly, I hardly play anything anymore. I mean, what what things like, uh, uh, I'm off Minesweeper. I don't play that anymore. Uh, <laughs> Transport Tycoon. I think Transport Tycoon has my largest record as far as uh, just playing. My brother and I played that once for 46 hours straight, switching wow. off. Uh, we switched off when we had to go to classes because uh, we were both in school at that time. But uh, that that but I'm not not anymore. You know, you get kind of burned out on stuff. Right now, I'm totally burned out on everything. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's it's a harder question to answer that way. Now, things like 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 chess and so on and go, I play those uh, right. before. But yeah, you know, and especially with my brother. I mean, he's getting better at chess than I am, and I'm right. better at go than he is. So. We'd just be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what's the game with your uh, fondest of your with uh, that has your fondest memories? Oh uh, yeah, there's there's well, there's lots of games like that. Like I said, uh, 
making um, Starflight, going exploring the little critters, going to the planets. I mean, a lot of people don't know there were randomly generated uh, critters, you know, mm-hmm. with with the pretty long paragraphs describing them. And we, we my brother and I would, would make these uh, journal entries where we draw the picture and describe them and just do that for <laughs> days and days and days and days and days. Uh, we have fond memories of Seven Cities of Gold and... Um, Oh, games like arcade games. We played a lot of like Gauntlet and so on. And uh, you know some of those D and D things, cyberpunk things we talked about, uh, uh, way up there. Um, a few roguelike memories, mostly involving obscene names of characters that get immortalized <laughs> on the uh, the score the score list. Like right, uh, right. we were playing Ragnarok once, and that was the first game uh, that. Uh, not the first game, maybe maybe hack was for us, but it was one of those ones where you can you can uh, you can polymorph, right? And so right. Uh, we had a character, and we we were just we were just naming naming our characters. You know, you go through them one at a time over a few minutes, so the names just start to degenerate. And eventually, we just got down to a one where the name was just Fucker. We had this guy named Fucker, right? Because you're just playing, you know, play, 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 and uh, and and then he got he got he got tra- transformed somehow into this thing. We don't know how to sp- how to say it really, but it looked like Jackass. So we got a we 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 got immortalized on the high score list. It was our best game ever, and it was immortalized at the top. Uh, we didn't think about the name at all, but we got stuck with Fucker the Jackass on the top of our high <laughs> score list for uh, for you know a year or so. And uh, yeah, there's there's all kinds of things. I mean, you can kind of go on forever, adventure right, right. construction set, all this stuff, but nothing nothing new really. Uh, but yeah, just all this old fogey type stuff. Thirty now. <laughs> Sometimes the uh, old games are the best games. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I like them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, joining us at uh, Role Playing Public Radio. And uh, we'll, next, I'm sure within a couple uh, months or a year, whenever the Army Art comes out, we'll come back and talk to you again. Um, thanks a yeah, lot. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Right. Thanks.